You're listening to season two of Kids Cue the Music, a podcast where we talk to musicians, composers, performers, and kids. Kids like you. We're asking the questions you've always wondered but never had the chance to ask. And we'll listen to music to see what makes it so interesting and fun and sometimes strange. Because music is for you. I am your co-host, Arlene. And I am your co-host, Rebecca Lane, Sarah's mom and director and owner of the Lane School of Music. Let's Let's cue the music. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Kids Cue the Music. I'm your co-host Rebecca Lane. And I'm the ultimate host of all times. My name is Zara A. Lane. She's just a sidekick. I'm your sidekick. Yes. And today we have two wonderful guests. Also a mother and daughter combination. A duo of sorts. We are very happy to have them here. We have the lovely Liliana, who is a composer and a student at Odd Watson Secondary School and plays multiple instruments. And her mother, Patricia, plays with the Tafel Music Ensemble. So we are very, very excited to have them both here to chat about all things composition and what it's like to be the mother of a composer (laughs) (laughs) and the daughter of a violinist. Also important to know. You probably you probably know what it's like to be a mother of a composer. I'm like composer tape. Yeah, I do have yeah. some sense of what it's like to be a mother of a composer. You're you're just sitting doing your work, and then you, you and, then, and I have the piano turned all the way up to full volume, and I'm playing all, and I'm doodling. All. <laughs> well, let's ask our guests what they think. Welcome, Liliana and Patricia. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. This is going to be so great. Sorry, can you ask the first question and you can ask it to both of our guests. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what instruments you play, and how I got started as a musician? I play the violin and piano mostly. Now I play a little bit of guitar and ukulele, but I started violin when I was four and I started playing piano when I was six. So those are my two main instruments because those are the instruments that my mom played, and I just wanted to be a mini-me of my mom. So, And I started composing just recently, just in high school, when I got into the Claude Watson program. They have us compose there, and that really gave me the confidence and the tools to start composing. So I, I did a little bit when I was younger, actually, on paper, but like I didn't ever use any of the computer softwares that I use now. So that was Oh, great. I have so many questions already. This is so exciting. <laughs> Patricia, can you tell us a little bit about what instrument or instruments you play and when you get started? Sure. Well, I actually started on piano when I was five, and then I started playing violin when I was seven. And I played both instruments, just like Liliana played both instruments growing up. So practicing both instruments every single day. And then I decided to go into violin and when I was in university. And then I specialized, when I was getting my master's, I specialized in Baroque violin. So I'm actually a Baroque violinist. I specialize in an older version of the violin. Very cool. We've actually interviewed a few other Baroque violinists. Ray Zen from Resonance Ensemble, who plays a Baroque violin, and that was really Mm -hmm. fun. Yeah, and Zara actually plays piano as well. She just had a piano lesson right before this recording. It was pretty fun. She just started piano, and she's been playing violin for a few years. So two instruments that we know about. How how many... How many weeks ago did I start piano? I think like three. There was only three we had. It's not been very long. This was like your second lesson. Yeah. That felt like five months. So 
why don't you ask, Sarah, why don't you ask Liliana this question? And then maybe we can ask both of the, the second part. How did you first try composing? So that's a question for you, Liliana. But how was, how was your first foray into composing? So when I was little, I remember thinking that composing sounds pretty cool. And I would always doodle around on piano and doodle around, you know, doing my improvising on all of my instruments that I played. But when I first started wanting to write down music, I told my piano teacher that I wanted to do some composing. What, 10? Something like that. And she gave me this children's book for composing that basically had a prompt in the form of a picture. And then you basically composed something after that picture. So I remember writing a short little piece after a picture of an elephant and a caterpillar. Super dorky and really short and probably not that great, but I had a lot of fun doing it. So that was sort of like the beginning of it. But then I really got more serious with it when I went to high school and I had composition assignments, which were, you know, you had to compose an actual piece with several parts that were a few minutes long, at least. So that really, I did dedicated a lot more time to that. Yeah, this was, this trio that I wrote was my first piano trio ever. So it was a learning curve, but it was a lot of fun. We're going to listen to it in a little bit. I'm so excited to hear it. Yeah, so that that's that's really cool. And I, I love that you're in a school that has a program for composing. Like that's so rare and so interesting. And Patricia, what did you think when you first heard Liliana's compositions? Oh, it was just amazing. She would play it on the computer. So that it would be a file, right? So you could hear and you could hear different parts one by one. So if you just wanted to listen to the piano part, you could press that line, but she could also play it on piano. So her advantage is she played two out of the three instruments, right? So if she wants to test out the violin part that she wrote, she can just play through it and, and say, well, how does that sound? And then how does it sound with the piano? And her dad is actually a cellist. So, and her sister also played cello. So she's very familiar with cello too. So she had that advantage of being able to play the parts as she put them together. But it was great fun to hear, you know, she, she'd change something or, you know, change a note and then play it back and say, Oh, was that one better or this one better? And it was, it was a really interesting process she went through. It's always easier to compose on pianos, I find. It's just easier. <laughs> Do you agree, Liliana? Do you think it's, is piano like the instrument that you generally start with when you're composing? I do. I start like when I start thinking of an idea, it's sort of in my mind, and then I'll go to the piano. I'm writing something right now for Continuum, which is a very modern sort of ensemble with a percussionist, a violinist, and a clarinetist. So it's a lot more bizarre. And even though there's no piano, I definitely turn to the piano to get everything sort of mapped out and write down some ideas. Just because you can conceptualize things a lot better on the piano, I feel. You can get some chords, you know, whereas like on the violin, it's a little bit harder. So yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, I mean, the piano definitely has the advantage of being able to play more than one line of music at a time. So it's much easier to hear how things go together. I'm curious because you said, or your mom said, that you would like test out different notes and see what sounded better. How do you decide what sounds better? What is better? Yeah, it's hard. Like sometimes I would go back and forth. Like, do I want it to go like that? Or do I want it to go like this? And it's funny because... There was one part in the piece that I was not so sure about, and it, it was like the slow part. And I was like, this slow part doesn't sound that great. But the rest of the piece was kind of fast, so I figured I needed a little bit of a contrast. 
And so I just put it in anyway. And then I heard the actual piano trio play it. That wasn't, you know, a MIDI computer playing. It was actual people. It sounded amazing. It was like my favorite part now. So you really have to sort of hear it live. And sometimes what you think is a great idea isn't actually that great. And what you are not so sure about turns out to sound really good once you listen back to it. So you never really know. I still feel like I want to change things about it. Do you think that ever goes away or do you think you just always will want to tweak stuff about your compositions? No, I think it never really goes away. I mean, even some of the best composers hated their work after a while or they still found things they wanted to change or still thought their compositions were no good. So if you're a young composer and you think your compositions are no good, write them anyway. That's my advice. That's great advice. Mostly new songs that I've been writing is like I, me and my friends record a movie like about a witch or something. Whenever she did something like really evil or something, I put it on the strings and I recorded this like really creepy thing. And then like when she starts laughing, when she starts doing a really high pitched laugh, it has that like low part in the background and it sounds really good. So you're writing background music for your movies. You're writing a soundtrack. Yeah, I guess. I think it started off like a, a song from another movie or something. Well, actually, was, even like, in, in older music, it's called programmatic music, where they wrote music that was depicting something else, like the Four Seasons by Vivaldi, right? It has music, you know, birds chirping or a storm coming or even a dog barking. And so the music, that's that's a very old technique that they used. Part of the Claude Watson program, we paired with the film majors because there are majors at our school. There are the drama majors, the dance majors, the art majors, and the film majors, and then us, the music majors. And we paired up with the film majors a few years ago, and they made silent films that were black and white, and we paired the music to the silent film. And it was a lot of fun getting to sort of do sound effects, but also music. Ours was like, there was a jump scare and we got to do a big loud bang. And then there was a tiptoe part where we had to do some quiet, like plucking music kind of. And so it was fun to figure out, you know, what music went with what scene. Mm, It helps to have a story and some prompts kind of like you were talking about it earlier Mm -hmm. to help you figure out what your music should sound like and to create a story. That's so funny that you mentioned the silent film because a few episodes ago, we interviewed your composition teacher, Mrs. Deborah Patey. And she was telling us about that exact assignment. And we were just asking her all these questions about like, how do you come up with assignments for (laughs) students? Like, how do you figure out how to inspire them to compose? And that was one of the things that she told us. So it's such a cool idea. Yeah, I think because my brother's always playing like, the sleeping guard and movies like we always we kind of always did this med- this medieval kind of movie like there's not it's always some kind of medieval thing there's always like night there like well not a lot of swords but like my brother was being like this this he's always being this guard who falls asleep when the bad guys sneak in and steal something or something but like i think i, I think at one point he was it just showed him sleeping in his bed and it did this like da 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 on the like electric piano yes so super fun. And then he wakes up and he's like, ah! the music is really great that you wrote that went with it. But we're not here to talk about your music. We're here to talk about our guest's music. Yeah, so, I'm planning on making it a real, a real movie. But, and be like, I made this when I was a kid. So this is the question for Liliana. Liliana, you've composed a lot of music or a li- at least a little bit of music for professional musicians, including a piece for the Bedford Trio that we're going to hear in a few minutes. 
How do you compose music for a specific set of instruments? We've talked a little bit about this already, but if you know the instruments that you're going to be writing for already, instead of just getting to pick them because you just like those instruments, how does that change how you write your music or how you get started? Well, I started by listening to a lot of piano trios. I started by listening to as many ensembles as I could find that included cello and violin and piano. So violin sonatas where it's violin and piano, piano music, cello sonatas where it's cello and piano, and then of course all three. And how they interact is really cool. A lot of piano trios that I listened to had sort of the violin and the cello be copying each other or talking to each other. And so I tried to incorporate that and put that a little bit into my composition. And a lot of times they had the piano going in the really lower register because the cello can only go so low and the cello can sometimes do the melody and sometimes do the accompaniment. So it was interesting to see the roles of the different instruments in the music that I was listening to. One of the albums that I listened to a lot actually was Ian and Annie's like tango music and it's a cellist and a pianist and they play some Spanish tango music. And I'm half Chilean, so I'm, I like that kind of Hispanic sound. And so I went for that a little bit in my composition. There are some elements of that, that I just, I listened to that album and I thought, I really like a lot of this stuff and the lyrical qualities of the cello. And so I, I wanted to bring that in. Well, I think that's the perfect introduction and maybe we should just go ahead and listen to it now. What do you say? Sounds good. Sure.
at the end of all the songs, they kind of make this big face. You're just like, that one is particularly satisfying to listen to. <laughs> Sarah, what did you like about it? I'm not sure. Did you like it? It was just really, really fast. Yes. It's fast. It's very exciting. And I, I love that you explained it to us first, Liliana, because I could hear all of the different tango piece elements to it and the slow and the fast sections. And I appreciated it so much more because of your explanation. So it, it's really helpful to be able to talk to the composer before you hear their music. It's really wonderful. Well, and I was going to say it was really helpful in her high school that, that the trio came and so they could workshop all these compositions. And that's just such a wonderful opportunity to have professional music or professional musicians trying out the composition and, and giving the feedback. She also got feedback from the composition competitions that she entered too. So she got, she won, tell them what you won. Oh, yeah. yeah tell us what you won. <laughs> she won some prizes. CMFA national competition. I, I came second and the Ormta student music writing competition, which is an Ontario competition. It placed first prize. So, and just having the Bedford trio perform your yeah. piece was also a prize, right? Yeah. So that was, that was an honor to be chosen to be the composer that had their piece. And that was just a draft. Just so everybody knows, you know, the Bedford Trio, they did a lot of workshops with us and then they recorded this, but of course they recorded everybody in the classes. So they didn't have too much time to rehearse. They just were sort of putting them all on tape. But the, the final concert, which is going to be, which is going to include this piece along with many others written by young composers where they were going to pair a piece of artwork that they're going to make with each composition. So you, you're going to get to see the piece of artwork that is after my piece. And who makes uh, the artwork? They're commissioning a bunch of different artists, one of which is actually my good friend, a visual art major, Parsa from, from my school. So he he did one of them. He didn't do my piece. And then the, the violinist of the trio is actually an artist herself. And so she's going to paint the painting for my piece. So I'm really... I think I saw that, yeah, that Alessia yeah. is painting the piece, or she, maybe she already did. Yeah, yeah. Lots of warm tones, I think. Lots of reds. Maybe some oranges. Yeah. So I'm excited to see. And that's March 19th. Their project is called the Immersed Project. So if anybody wants to come. Amazing. <laughs> we will definitely, I'm not sh exactly sure when this episode is coming out, but if we can, we will definitely post in the show notes for this. We also interviewed Jia Liang from the Bedford Trio. That's how this whole thing started. And that's she how. Pianist? She is the Yeah. She's the pianist from the Bedford Trio. That's how we found out about Deborah Patey. And that's how we found out about you. And it was just like, we've been interviewing everyone and it's been great. And so chain reaction, there was like her and her, her, her. And it's just going to keep going on. A little bit of everyone. So I have just one more question for, for you, Patricia, because you're a parent who is a professional musician a highly acclaimed professional musician. I don't know if people listening have heard of the Tafel Music Ensemble, but they are quite world famous, actually. And I just am curious if you have any advice for parents who are professional musicians or who are musicians themselves, raising kids who are also musicians and how involved you get or how much you let them find their own way. How did you navigate that? How did you do that? For all the parents listening, this is a question for you. Well, you know, I think it is good if you are able to separate being the parent from being the teacher. So I purposely didn't become Liliana's teacher, right, in either instrument. So she always had somebody else 
that was her teacher. But of course, I would help her practice. I used to, we had a routine for a long time before before she would go to school from 8 o'clock to 8.20. I would do her hair. She has long blonde hair. And I would <laughs> do her hair in braids while she practiced piano. And so we killed <laughs> two birds with one stone. We got the hair done and the practice happened every day. I mean, to create the atmosphere for the routine of the practice, I think, is is probably a really important thing to establish. You know, if you can establish a routine and they understand that that's just what you have to do and you have to do it every day. And even 15 minutes is better than nothing. And 15 minutes every day for four days in a row is better than one hour for one day and then nothing for three days. A habit building. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think encouragement is good. And of course, Liliana and my other daughter, Sophia, went to a million concerts, right? They've been to, they've been to so many Topple Music concerts and gone on tour with Topple Music all around the world. And so they have a lot of music, you know, in their heads, right? And they've seen a lot of professional music making. And I think that encourages the kids for sure. Are we going to do a round of opera or cheese? Well, why don't you ask now? Are we going to do a round of opera or cheese? Would you like to play a few rounds of opera or cheese? Yeah, please. Sure, I've never played that game before. Opera or cheese? Opera or cheese? Opera or or cheese? Opera 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 or cheese? Okay. It's a game where I shall say an Italian word. It's not always Italian. Sometimes it's French. Yeah. But I will say some kind of word and we're going to see. Everybody else is going to try to guess if it's, an, if it's a kind of opera or if it's a kind of cheese. And it's going to be very, very hard. Bonus if you can name the composer of the opera. Extra bonus if you played the opera. <laughs> <laughs> you win $5,000 in a trip to Aruba. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I'm paying attention now. Zara has the names of the operas and their composers. But I, I, I mean, I haven't played okay. a lot of operas. I don't know if either I, you have. I've got one. The first one is Emmy Du Chamberton. Emmy Du Chamberton. Can you spell the last word? The Chamberton um, word. C H A M B E R T I N. Okay. Chamberton or Camberton. And the first one is A M I N. Oh, like friend A-M-I-N. of something. Emmy or something like that. It's so Italian. Yeah, it's a French one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to say that's an opera. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I'm sticking to it anyway. I don't know what I think. What do you think, Patricia? Well, at first I thought it was a cheese. By the last by the last word, I thought it was a cheese. Because it sounds like camembert or something like that. Yeah. 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 I thought it was a cheese as well. What is it, Sarah? It's a cheese. It's a cheese. Oh, my God. I thought you said, I thought you said opera. I always do. You have to pick some operas. We'll do three. No, I always do cheese. You always do, but it's, this is an amazing podcast. There has to be some If I do do opera, you're all going to guess it. That's why I No, it's not true. Number two. Delibor. D-A-L-I-B-O-R. Delibor? Delibor, yeah. It's all one word. That's a tricky one. D-E, what, can you spell it one more time? D-A-L. I B O R. What's the movie? the nationality of the cheese or opera? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'll say opera. Oh. Again. It's got to be opera at some point. 
Yeah. But I still think that this is a cheese. I think it's a cheese, too. Oh. It's an opera. It's an opera? Yep. Who is the composer? Where is it? There's one called Billy Bud. You can't let us see them. Edward Smith. Smetna. Smetna. He, oh. I've played Smetna. That's a cool composer. I like Yeah. He wrote yeah. Um, the, the Bartered Bride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He wrote some good operas. But this one, none of us have heard of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, last one, Zara. I'm definitely not going to choose Dragon's Breath. Dragon's Breath? It's No, I said I'm not going to choose. Oh. Well, what do you think it is? Well, you just told us it's a cheese. Yeah, it's a blue cheese. It does sound like blue cheese. Like it would be interesting. Could be a cool opera, too. Oh, I like oh, it. Yeah. Die. D-I-E. Oh, okay, die. <laughs> Zauberfoy. Yeah. Oh, that's why most. Okay. She knows yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I could tell that it was German and a magic flute by Mozart. Yeah. There it's you go. It <laughs> is by Mozart. That's a pretty common okay. one. Can I do another one? You want to stump us to finish? Okay. That's so easy. Okay. Last one. Yeah. That's why I never do opera. But I, I probably, but you could now. I think I'm going to do opera. You could be anything. Oh, I think I already did that one. It doesn't matter. If you repeat them from other episodes, I won't remember them. I never do. Okay. Abeille du Monde des Cats. I've totally done this one before. Can you spell I remember the it. last word? C-A-T-S. Cats. Oh, like, so the word before that is des, D-E-S? Yeah. De. So it sounds French, maybe? De ca? I think that it's a cheese, because I think it's something of something else. Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to say cheese. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's a cheese. I'll go with opera just to be difficult. I'm really not sure. Ha, 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 ha. What is it? It's a cheese. It's a cheese. I got it wrong. I, got it wrong. I should have just followed your lead. You know, I always do choose. Jesus said, why wouldn't you think I didn't choose a cheese? I don't know, but I, I make... These can be very stumpful. They make Zara read well, them now because... I don't know why you can't guess because I always do cheeses. You should get the pattern by now. It's true. I should cheese opera, opera cheese opera or cheese. I think we're done the episodes. We're pretty much at the end. But I just want to say that the reason I get Zara to read them is because I am really bad at reading other languages, even if they're common operas. I still mispronounce them. I know. And then I just feel I'm silly. Not, like I'm not any better than you. Yeah, but to make me feel silly, it's like nine. Problem. So you're not supposed to know how to like read different languages. Goodness. It makes me look ridiculous if I can't. But, you know, but it also makes me look ridiculous. You know, the magic flute. You want to hear properly. Liliana say the name of her piece? Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I oh, don't think it's a proper accent either. Okay. So say it a couple times. So this is actually, speaking of prompts, but it's called Baile Diabolica de Tontin. And it's it literally means stupid heads devilish dance. So that is the... You should have known that before listening to it. But like, isn't that what it sounds like? Like, that's what... That's what prompted sort of, I'm like, I imagined like a goblin dancing, like Dobby or something. Oh, I can, I, I, can, I can totally, I can totally imagine Dobby dancing. It fits. Yeah. But how did you come up with a name? And did you find the name first and then? Well, I created. I knew that I wanted to do something with like cluster chords, like angry sounding, like, and then with also like a Spanish tango-y part so I kind of knew that I wanted to do that and then I'm playing this I was playing this piece at the time by a Canadian composer Larissa Kuzmenko and the piece is called uh, Diabolical Dance 
and it has a lot of cluster chords in it. So that's kind of where that inspiration came from. And then I was talking with my dad and I was telling him that I was playing this piece and he always calls me tontin, like stupid head is like a funny little term. And so I was like, <laughs> well, this is, this is tontin's diabolical dance. So that's where it came from. <laughs> Just, these are questions clearly we should have asked you before we heard it <laughs> but then but then i was like you know what it's gonna be great because nobody's gonna know what it means like only i will know what it means everybody will think it's like fancy spanish on, thing like <laughs> like it, 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 it's, it's in spanish right yeah so people only people who know spanish can do it like one of my classmates is spanish i think so maybe he would understand she she sorry Alexa. oh i don't like to know that cool that's a very cool way to go about naming a piece yeah <laughs> and it does fit now that you've explained it thank you so much to both of you for being here with us on this episode this was so much fun we do have a recording of both of you playing together do you mind if we put it at the end of this episode that's fine no fun. lovely so we'll add that in at the end thanks so much and join us next time for next week's episode of kids kids music okay kids kids music Goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks for having us. listening to kids cue the music if you've enjoyed this episode leave us a review your reviews help more people like you find our podcast don't forget to follow us on itunes and follow us on social media at lane school of music i'm zara lane and i'm rebecca lane see you next time on kids cue the music, the music.